So uh, that's the first part. And I would like to call it as the front end for voice, which is the voice user interface design. Welcome to The Mountain Pass, a podcast about lifelong learning, curiosity, and our wonderful brain. Topics we love at Alp Audio. But this isn't a podcast about Alp the product. Rather, it's conversations driven by our curiosity. Today, I'm chatting with Vishnu Saran, the founder of StoryCube. I was introduced to Vishnu by a mutual friend, and once I saw his LinkedIn profile, immediately wanted to chat. Vishnu's been working on voice applications for the past four years, and now has combined voice, audio, and storytelling into StoryCube, the home for great audio content for your home. He has a deep knowledge of the voice space, and we chatted about all things voice applications, tech platforms, voice versus visual UI, and a few other voice-related topics. Enjoy. Vishnu, welcome to The Mountain Pass. It's great to have you on. We've been connected through a mutual friend in the voice space, and voice and audio are areas dear and near to my heart, and you've been building in the space for a while. So I'm excited to have you on and just dive deeply into audio. Thank, thanks so much for having me on this podcast. I'm very excited to talk today. Awesome. So I just thought before we start exploring audio, maybe we'll just start with a background of who you are and what you're working on and the things you've been working on in the past, because that will set the context for the next stage of our conversation. Sure. Um, so currently I'm working on building uh, what I call the Netflix for voice. So we have a lot of Amazon Echo devices, Google Home devices that are bought by millions of consumers across the world, precisely around 250 million. And uh, when devices are getting smarter and smarter through, through um, decades, uh, the content made for these devices are also getting smarter. So there needs to be a curated platform where users can easily discover interactive stories, um, stories that put the audience in the protagonist's place and um, stories that move in different directions have multiple endings based on what the audience uh, chooses or uh, decides for the character to do. So that's the space that we are in. We are called StoryCube. It's a Netflix style subscription service uh, of only interactive stories that you can play on voice. But uh, before StoryCube, um, you know, I ran a company called VoiceCube, which uh, was a pure voice tech services company. Uh, we had clients across the globe and we worked in multiple sectors ranging from healthcare to hospitality. Um, and um, prior to VoiceCube, I was working as the head of India for a company called Voice First which wanted to automate um, room service in luxury hotels by replacing the telephones with smart speakers. So that was my entire introduction to voice. And once I got um, introduced to this human computer interface and the the necessary skills required to create uh, a VUI design document and the architecture around it, it, it kind of fascinated me a lot. I think the future is all about human computer interfaces and um, more and more humans would start communicating with their devices 
uh, more naturally and intuitively through voice. So that's been my background. So I've been um, doing a lot of services and building a lot of voice applications over the last four years for various organizations around the globe. But I'm very happy that finally we've found a product that um, we wanted to build by ourselves and you know, uh, something that I'm really passionate about, storytelling. So yeah, I'm excited about building StoryCube. Got it. So four years in voice. And I actually have a lot of questions running through my head. But before we dive into kind of the voice tech stack, um, I just wanted to ask about the Indian voice market. Because when you said you had been working on customer service and room service, I was thinking maybe there's all of these you know, voice first applications in the Indian market that I live in Israel, um, you know, I never even thought about or is, you know, is voice a large um, kind of space specifically in India or is it just, you know, from your experience, which you see in the rest of the world? Um, so most of my clients are uh, not from India. Um, so in fact, my first client is from Israel. And um, we, we've had clients from across <laughs> the globe. Right? So Got we, it. We had, yeah. So India, India is a voice technology market. Um, the use cases are very slim, but the voice market is large because India has a lot of developers who can create Alexa skills, Google Actions, custom NLP applications and stuff. So, so there's no... There's no use case of a consumer using voice in India, but there are all of this developer ecosystem that's building applications for different organizations in, in the Western part of the world. So uh, it's, it's technology of, export. Yeah, exactly. Technology export. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I was just kind of curious to see if there was something locally geographic, but not the case. Yeah, okay. and, and I would say even technology export, but it's just technology services export, something like that. That makes sense. So I guess when you think about the the voice uh, tech stack, because there are a few things that go into it, whether it's speech recognition, NLP, um, and then at the end of the day, when you get to the storytelling or choose your own adventure, how do you... How do you break it down? What is the voice tech stack? Maybe give us a little bit, uh, you know, a, a 101 on the voice space, the audio space for those who don't know what goes into it. Yeah. So usually when you want to develop a mobile application, the first thing that you do is you design uh, UI UX screens on a Photoshop. Um, in voice, there's similar process, but instead of doing it on a graphical user interface, you write it down in a document as a conversation. So you are essentially designing multiple permutations and combinations of the kind of conversations that might happen between the uh, application and the user who's using the application. So uh, that's the first part. And I would like to call it as the front end for voice, which is the voice user interface design, where you design a bunch of scripts uh, which involve like the permutations and combinations and the possibilities of uh, different directions that the conversation might go to. And then the second part is uh, the intent classification and uh, development of, um, and, and essentially writing the code for handling multiple user intents. So what happens is when we design the front end uh, in the first step, when we are designing these conversations, we can find patterns 
we can find patterns and we can classify them as user intents. For example, if the user wants to say something like yes, or uh, yeah, sure, or something in the affirmative uh, sense, you can categorize that as yes intent. And uh, if the user says, hey, I want to get a few towels, uh, then you can categorize this as, uh, you know, uh, user wants amenities intent, right? So what happens in the second step is you write down different pieces of code of how you would like to handle each of these intents. What happens in this code is you understand what uh, keywords is the user talking. Okay, if the user is asking for towels, then probably the next uh, sensible question is you should ask him how many. Um, and then take those vital inputs and then send it back to your backend um, and where, where there's some real person who's looking at these requests and then uh, trying to fulfill them. So, uh, and then the third step is once you, uh, once you understand the user input, you have to design a response mechanism where you're going, going to tell something like, okay, your order for three towels has been placed uh, and it's going to arrive in 20 minutes. Uh, and would you like to ask me for something else? So something like that. So that's like the end-to-end -end process of creating a voice uh, application. The front end is VUI design. Then there's the middle layer of writing the code. And then there's a response generation or acknowledging the user intent. And coming to the tech stack, obviously it depends on what platform you want to host it on. So you can use, the first part is uh, converting the user, res user request, which is in the form of voice into text. So that's called the ASR, which is automatic speech recognition. Once automatic speech recognition is done, the next part, what we are doing in the second step is NLU, which is natural language understanding. And then in the third step is we are trying to create a response back and that is uh, um, text to speech. So we are doing the opposite of the first step. But in my experience, what I understood is the, the text to speech part is not that matured yet. And the responses that we generate right now uh, would be a little bit robotic and monotonous. So as a philosophy, what we do at StoryCube is uh, all the response that we generate, we don't use text-to-speech, but we use pre-recorded audio files in the form of MP3 files, and then we, we stream it back to the user. Got it. That, it's, that was preempting my next question, which was going to be what like, what do you use off the shelf? What's good enough off the shelf? And what do you actually play around with on a proprietary basis? So let's say text-to-speech isn't good enough off the shelf. And that's also our experience at ALP. Um, but in terms of the ASR or the NLU, what, what have you found that you have to develop in-house? And what can you just use existing models? Yeah, so uh, again, uh, it depends on the platform that we want to host on. So uh, we've been facing, so we ideally want to be on every consumer device out there, right? And uh, if, if you're if you're trying to be on the Alexa devices, then you are, uh, you don't have any option. You have to use the uh, Alexa SDK, which involves their own custom speech to text or the ASR part. And uh, also the Alexa custom NLU engine uh, for designing and implementing intents. So uh, you don't have much option if you want to create an Alexa skill. And the same thing with uh, Google Actions as well, where you have to follow their guidelines, their speech APIs. Um, so we use, so whenever we're trying to create something for these specific devices, we use 
their uh, frameworks off the shelf. Uh, but ideally, I would I would say that the ASR part of things are uh, pretty pretty mainstream right now, and they became some somewhat like commodity. Um, you can do it right off the browser. Uh, you don't need uh, complex algorithms to understand uh, basic English. So for English language, I would say that the playing field has been leveled, and you can just use um, browser capabilities, whether it is a Mozilla browser or a Chrome browser or your React Native mobile application, you can you can create you can do the entire ASR on client. So that's the direction that we are heading at. Uh, we know that we shouldn't be too dependent on Amazon or Google and be uh, be sticking to one framework. So we want to make sure that uh, we become a web product truly. So that uh, because uh, in my opinion, web is more democratized and more open for innovation rather than uh, these walled gardens of Amazon or Google or Apple. So, um, so yeah, using something off the shelf has its pros and cons. And, and it, when it comes to NLU, I would highly recommend Rasa. Rasa is an open source framework, which you can tinker with and create your own models and you can use it in different contexts. Uh, that's something that we use off the shelf and that's been very helpful. Uh, text-to-speech, again, like I said, we don't uh, entertain any text-to-speech engines. I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of progress with something like Replica.ai and a couple more uh, startups here and there, but uh, I, don't, I don't believe that uh, it's there yet, especially when we are dealing with something like entertainment and storytelling. We need the character's emotion, uh, and it, it becomes very essential for us to bring that out uh, to create a wholesome audio experience. So uh, text-to-speech is the only thing where we are going through the uh, grunt work. We are going through the hard process of finding voice actors, giving them the scripts and making them record all these responses. That was a great breakdown. So thanks for that. Um, I'd, I'd love to zoom in on that decision of where to build your application. For us, when we were... When we started working on Alp, Alp is a mobile uh, solution. It's for people who want to study on the go. So there really was no other option but building on a mobile platform, and that's Android or iOS. And just like you said, there are a lot of limitations of building on a, in a walled garden. So I'm just curious. There are also benefits, but I'm just curious what was the decision framework for starting to build on Alexa um, and Google and not on mobile or not on the web? Like, wh Why did you choose to, to go down the Alexa route at the end of the day? Sure. It's, it's actually very, it's, it's a good question. And I've been asked this question a lot of times. So it's about options right now. Let's say I, as a consumer, I have invested, um, 200 or 100 to 200, 150 dollars in buying an Alexa device that's sitting on my living room, and I'm practically doing nothing with it. So let's say um, whenever I look at it, I I get reminded that okay, this this is a device and I can do something with this. So I then search for options on you know what can I do with my Alexa device, and uh, you don't find any options at all because the Alexa skill store is filled with a lot of filth a lot of hobbyists and students trying to uh, create small Alexa skills, small voice applications that serve absolutely zero purpose. And uh, they, 
they kind of have a negative network effects um impact and uh, it's very difficult to find a good alexa skill that can entertain you and engage you um which will make you keep coming back to it so but whereas on the other hand um if you take your mobile phone uh this too many options you have netflix you have your uh disney you have your games that you can play you can browse the web you can chat with uh, people you like so it, it's it's like how as a consumer we are allocating time and we're allocating our energies and attention right so when i'm looking at my mobile there are thousands of things that i can do and it's a red ocean for any new app or any new application that wants to get a piece of that attention uh, whereas on the alexa device or any other consumer device that is sitting out there idle um when somebody is trying to search for something that they can do on these devices um the options are limited so we thought it's going to be a good foot in the door for us uh, to start off with alexa and google because there are 250 million devices with hardly 25 good stories so there's a there's a massive imbalance over there uh, between demand and supply so that was the reason why we wanted to be alexa and google first uh, before getting into mobile space uh, but but always my intention was as a consumer facing company we have to be there on every consumer device that is present and uh, there is there's no option that we can select or deselect we have to be there everywhere it's only a matter of what's your priority going to be what's your order of getting into the market going to be like uh, so that's the reason why we got into alexa and google but then there are a ton of other challenges that we are facing over there so um so yeah i i think it's like uh, um a decision that we need to ponder on and maybe a simultaneous launch would give us more leverage in getting these uh stories accepted uh in the alexa skill store i don't know it, it, it's going to be an ongoing battle i guess uh we should see how it's going to play out what are the biggest challenges you've encountered building on alexa or google I think the policy is right now if you want to monetize anything on Alexa or Google you have to pay them 30% uh of revenue it, it's my top line it's not even uh some sort of payment commission charge uh, like Stripe or something else right so I think that's absolutely unfair and it's uh they they've taken a leaf out of um, you know Apple and Google uh, play store yeah. <laughs> that's changing though that's changing well i i hope it's changing um, um i i don't see it i don't see it changing that much in the voice space yet because the level of commerce is anyways very low um but yeah uh, i mean i'm i'm big supporter of tim sweeney and you know what he the, the case that he won against apple with epic games but again every everyone wants to be a monopoly everyone wants to uh, have a have have a paywall and have a gatekeeper kind of a model be it oculus be it even epic games or fortnite right so i would say it's just unfair that uh, 30% is probably a too steep a number and it can be brought down uh, but yeah again the some of the other concerns that we have are um the user input for alexa it it can't exceed 8 8 seconds so we had this fantastic concept where we wanted to create an application where uh you are playing the role of a detective and you can ask a terrorist any sort of questions you want you can interrogate him 
as much as you want and you have to extract key information of where he planted the bomb. So when you are trying to build a game like this, eight second input is definitely not going to help, right? Uh, it, it's, it's a very big handicap and um, the, there are multiple such features which uh, inhibit us from creating really fantastic experiences for consumers uh, because Amazon or Google doesn't allow. So just two short questions on that. Do you know why they limit to eight seconds? And when a user gives input, do they have to take an action with the device or is the device always listening, always on? Um, and I I'm asking simply because for a phone, um, we also wanted to do something like that, but for learning purposes. And we discovered that in the also Apple and Android, they don't allow for the device to be passively listening unless it's for Hey Siri or Google. Um, and if you want to activate the microphone to get a user's input, the user actually has to click on a permission button saying like, yes, microphone on. And when we asked around, that was for privacy concerns. So I'm wondering if there's something similar in the home device area. No, absolutely. It's, it's the same, right? So it, it is same uh, privacy concern is what their response is. But coming from a consumer's perspective, like I'm, I'm inside a game. I have, I have shown my intent of activating the device. I have already told, uh, I've already given the wake word of, hey, Alexa. And I've already asked Alexa open, uh, you know, um, StoryCube games, right? I, I've expressed clear intent of accessing a particular game that I want to play. And once I am inside the, inside the game, uh, of course, and I am uh, involved with some sort of conversation with characters inside the game, um, clearly there are no privacy concerns in my opinion because the user clearly specified and expressed his intent in playing that particular game, knowing very well that he's expected to give some sort of a response. Um, and, and all of these compliances, all of these rules, um, I'm sure they're going to be temporary, right? I mean, uh, eventually consumers want great experiences and market forces will always win. So it's just a matter of time before that eight seconds becomes 16 or 24 or 36, some sort of um, acceptable length. Uh, and if, if, if there is a need for us to take a, a permission from the user, uh, whether it's going to be through voice, like, hey, we are going to open the mic now for your conversation um, with this particular character, are you okay with it? And then if he says yes, they are taking clear consent of the user. So some sort of mechanism can be built in uh, to make sure that these privacy um, violations are not uh, very severe, uh, but then there's been no intent or no effort from Amazon or Google in order to achieve this. Google did that to some extent with their screen devices. Uh, it, it's it's open. The microphone can be open for 30 seconds and you can keep guessing different um, answers for a quiz, uh, but then there's no intent from Amazon. And yeah, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but uh, it is definitely uh, not open for innovation, I would say some, something like a web browser where whatever the application demands uh, or whatever the user wants, the application can give the user uh, because the browser and web uh, is, is a much 
more free country for creators to create something on that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I really think like, yes, it's in the name of privacy and privacy does serve a lot of people and it serves me, but there's this real limitation on what you can do and the new user experiences you can develop, especially in audio. And I mean, we'll get into this in a second because I want to ask you about the, the, you know, choose your own adventure kind of aspect of the stories that you have. But before that, you'd mentioned this concept of deciding to build on Alexa and Google because it's much more of a blue ocean than a red ocean in terms of discoverability of new apps. And I'm wondering what you think about the search and discoverability of voice apps for a home speaker, right? I mean, we do an app. I can firsthand um, attest to the fact that it is very hard to get users to download your app. Um, and I'm just wondering, how do you think about that in terms of voice? How do users search for voice apps? Does it start from the web? Does it start from mobile? Does it start from a screen and then go to go to voice? Or does it start from voice? Um, you know, how do you, there are a lot of Alexa skills out there. So how do you guys think about that? That's the, uh, that's the holy grail problem, right? So we at StoryCube are trying to solve exactly that. So there are more than uh, 200,000, 250,000 or, or even more Alexa skills and Google Actions, but which ones are really important? Which ones are really worth for the user to discover? And how will they discover it? So there's this entire philosophy in the voice community that discovery is voice first, but that's absolutely inconvenient. So as, as humans and as consumers, always and always it's convenience first. So voice discoverability and discovering things through voice will definitely exist. Um, and that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's an acquisition funnel that uh, works silently uh, on its own. But users discover things through word of mouth uh, or through advertisements or through something that they see on their mobile phone, on their web, web, uh, website or some, somewhere else, right? And there needs to be a visual medium for discovering great content. And this is the behavior that users have been uh, building over the last decade. They, they're accustomed to the Netflix style uh, browsing mode. They're accustomed to the Instagram reels, the TikToks, the Disney Hotstar, et cetera, et cetera, the HBO, and all of these OTT platforms, which have created a user behavior pattern for finding content, finding good content, even in, even YouTube for that matter of fact. So, uh, I, I believe that discovery is going to happen on the mobile phone uh, and consumption is going to happen on the respective devices. Discovery can also happen on something, let's say like a Fire TV or an Echo Show device, which has a screen because convenience first, right? So the more visual medium and the more uh, real estate that you have in convincing that a person should install a particular app, the better it is for uh, the particular creator who has created the application. So what we are doing at StoryCube is we are curating out of the 250,000 Alexa skills, there are only 25 which are worth the user's time, which have certain guidelines met, which have very good voice design, which have very good audio production. So what we are doing is we are curating these gems uh, amongst all of this. So it's like finding needle in a haystack, right? So we are curating all of these gems into one single app 
which is called Story Cube, and then you can uh, find anything uh, worth consuming on Story Cube. So, um, so the the kind of positioning that we want to take is: Do you have an Alexa device? You need Story Cube because what are you going to do on the Alexa device? Are you too bored of asking your Alexa about the weather and music? Download Story Cube. Find more things to do. So we want to take that positioning. Discovery is a massive problem that needs to be solved, and uh, Story Cube is going to be the Netflix for these kind of uh, stories and games, which can be discovered in one app. And as a consumer, I might have a Google Assistant on my phone, uh, Alexa in my living room, and Bixby on my fridge. I don't want to navigate between three apps to find uh, different applications for different device, right? If there's going to be just one single app for all my devices, just like how you have a single Netflix login for different devices, that is what the consumers need, and that's where the market is going to head uh, at some point in time. So we thought we might as well build that right now. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here, but just to make sure that I understood correctly, so in StoryCube, you are aggregating other skills, or just basically positioning yourself as saying. If you want to check the weather, there's a skill for that. If you want to play music, there's a skill for that. Except for those basic mundane things, you have no idea what to do with Alexa. Ditch all the other search, just come to StoryCube. Yeah, no. So StoryCube is only fixed on interactive stories and games. So we have picked a niche and we're going to stick to it. So yeah, you can ask the weather, you can ask for music, you can play small trivia games on your Alexa or Google or Bixby. But then, if you want to play a solid triple uh, A rated voice game, right? If you want to play a well produced interactive game or interactive, listen to an interactive story, you can discover all such sort of interactive content on StoryCube. So uh, we, that that's the position that we are taking. We are curating the gems um, uh, in this massive clutter of other applications. Okay, got it. So you can't. You can't find a weather application, but you can find something like um, Journey to Year 3000, which is an Edward Packard uh, story about um, an interactive story that has 32 different endings. Very well produced, solid audio production. Um, yeah. Got it. Got it. And so in terms of the discoverability inside SortyCube, once the app is away, uh, and you've mentioned Netflix a few times, one of the things that Netflix has, I don't know if pioneered, but really put front and center for, for millions of people is the carousel with previews. And yep. that's something that's very hard to do in audio. There's this common technique for podcasters where you cross promote or, you know, you have people on your podcast or you put an ad, you know, an advertisement for an alternative podcast. But you can't do more than one or two or three of those without completely ruining the the flow. Like audio doesn't flow like visual visuals in that sense. Um, so I'm wondering if you guys have looked into that at all, or what your thoughts are about, you know, how do you use interactive audio to solve the discoverability problem? Inside the StoryCube app. Yeah, either yeah, I think inside the StoryCube app, or just in terms of best practices for. For UI, so either, think, either or. So I think the carousel is the widely accepted and even we at StoryCube follow that. And when it comes to an audio story or an audio interactive story or any story, matter of fact, 
um the trailer or the preview uh, can be a mix of some sort of video or some sort of uh, illustration of the poster uh, accompanied by a piece of audio that's going on right so we believe that visual medium is definitely going is definitely uh, more effective in convincing a user in playing that story and uh, using that so we are trying to create all these beautiful visuals and illustrations uh, of that particular story and add and accentuate the entire experience by taking a piece of really well produced audio of that story and putting it out there so that's the philosophy that we follow for enticing the user to take notice of a particular story and click on it apart from that right from the get go we are collecting data about uh, what kind of genres does a particular user like and what other users with the same similar taste have actually played and you know uh enjoyed and gave good reviews to and then build our own recommendation system inside storycube right so we are trying to do all those standard techniques which have been proven successful for other ott players in the past but uh, but like i said um visual medium is very effective in uh, creating a buzz around a particular podcast or particular audio interactive story and i believe that um many of the podcasters too right now uh, they are actually recording their videos and using that as thumbnails uh, there's a video uh, of the podcast as well uh, on youtube so um i think it's going to be somewhat of a discovery process as well whether it will work or not but right now our thesis is uh, really great visuals accompanied by a piece of well produced audio uh, will do really good justice to uh entice a user in playing a particular story got it got it so i i think it's much more of a like the classic approach um and the, these are one of the problems that i have with the different platform restrictions so for example one of the things that we wanted to do at alp was make your learning journey fit based on what you've learned and what you remember so for example let's do an, an interactive story that says great vishnu you've done bonds you've done stocks here's some story basically a choose your own adventure story and based on that we'll know what lesson to start you off on um and what other courses we have that connect to that you know maybe we have a course on options maybe we have a course on etfs things like that but that's really really limited because of the kind of the platform restrictions so what do you, what do you mean as in uh, you can engineer that inside your app right uh, the pop ups and the interactive quiz identify whether a user has knowledge about a particular uh, course so, and then you know move him up the ladder yes yes that we can but the just like you said the 8 second limitation of okay. getting voice input so for us every answer that a user gives they have to click on um kind of yes you can record me at the moment or the user has to be in a mode like they're on a phone call or like on zoom which takes up a lot of battery a lot of bandwidth um and de- degrades the audio quality so yeah. it's it's a much worse user experience because i can't do an interactive story um uh, especially you know we're an audio app the default mode of most of our users is to press play 
and then put their phone in their pocket. They're not yep. whipping out the phone all the time to, to engage. And that's not something we want. We want it to be voice first. Um, so we can't do that. And that, that was a way of discovering uh, or surfacing content for users. Right. Right. That I thought could be really, really interesting also in StoryCube, because if I'm listening to a, I don't know, a story on Arabian Nights, maybe I'm also interested in other similar genre stories. Okay. Right. And you could surface that through audio. Um, that was a little bit of a ramble, but I hope it made sense. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think you must be uh, facing this a lot more on, on the iOS platform than Android. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so just going back towards towards the choose your own adventure stories. Um, I'm wondering where where that idea came from. It's not something I see very often. Um, but it is starting to pop up a little bit more. We've implemented it in learning. Um, so if you know bonds, you'll go down one path. If you know stocks, you'll go down another. Um, but just kind of walk us through how do you build stories around choose your own adventure? Um, and what is that audio experience like? What What's important when you're designing a story like that? Sure. Uh, so the first motivation for me to get into choose your own adventure storytelling is um, for the first time, technology is allowing for a second-person storytelling. Usually, storytelling has been very passive. You sit and you watch a movie or you read a book or you listen to a story and that's it. There's no user interaction. The user is not part of the story himself. So the entire realm of second-person storytelling and immersive storytelling is opened up by HCI technologies be it voice, be it VR, be it augmented reality uh, or gesture recognition. So in the, next, in the next two decades, we are going to see an explosion of immersive content and an explosion of second person storytelling. Uh, a, a sample example is where, uh, let's say we are talking on a podcast and then you suddenly receive a notification from uh, your employer saying uh, there's an emergency, you have to go back home, uh, go back to the office. Would you apologize to your guest on the podcast and go to the office? Or would you uh, just put your phone aside and finish the podcast and then attend to it? So different users would make different uh, decisions at this juncture. And um, keeping you in a spot, asking you a question and making you involved in the story is going to keep your attention more, uh, more focused and you're more engaged and you're more relating to the story itself and you're more hooked on to the story. So we believe that let's say we do the same interactive storytelling and use all of these adv uh, advantages to our benefit and uh, let's say create something for kids. We can actually actively track how well the kids are comprehending the story and the situation and what kind of wise or unwise decisions they're making. How are they solving these puzzles that are, that are put in front of them? And how fast are they learning and adapting on the go? And there's no discouragement, right? Like for a kid who's very bright, he progresses in the story very fast. And for a kid who's, who's still learning his ropes and learning his way around, 
he takes his own sweet time. He enjoys the universe a little bit more. He stumbles up a, a couple more times, and then uh, and then eventually reaches the end goal. So uh, it's adaptive storytelling for different paces because not all humans are equal, right? In terms of their ability to comprehend certain information, their ability to absorb a particular universe, and uh, their tastes and their dislikes. It's all very subjective. It's all very dynamic. And it did not come out in front and it did not come out into the market because the medium and the technology that allowed storytelling so far has been purely passive. But for the first time, HCA is allowing second person storytelling, which is active storytelling, keeping the protagonist, um, keeping the user as a protagonist and making. So that's that's like our headline as tagline as well, right? Story cube. We make. So uh, that's the entire motivation uh, on, on why we picked interactive storytelling. Uh, writing the interactive story and with multiple branches is very difficult uh, because even the tools that we have like Microsoft Word or anything else is a very, uh, is a tool for passive storytelling. It's a, it's a chronological tool that has only one branch. Uh, but then you have to break out of it. You have to try to reverse engineer. Uh, and then there are, there are multiple principles in uh, following uh, how do you create these interactions it should not be monotonous yes or no questions throughout the story. It has to be um, jazzed up. It has to have multiple options. And some questions are open-ended. Some questions are very leading in nature. So you have to use a mix of these principles and create a really immersive and engaging story. But yeah, it, the general thumb rule is make it as realistic as possible um, and, and make sure that the questions that are being asked to the user are from the characters around him or her, uh, rather than breaking the fourth wall and having a narrator or or the device give some sort of an instruction. For example, you are in a story and you have multiple characters around you. Uh, you don't want the story flow to break and then Alexa to ask you, do you want to progress with this option or option B? You don't want that. You want something like the character giving you those two options. Hey, so what do we do now? Should we run or should we hide? So it makes things more immersive thing and, and makes the uh, audience more engaged. How did you go from, you know, the tech side to the storytelling side and especially complicated stories that have multiple endings? So me as a kid, I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, I've always wanted to be a storyteller. Uh, it's just that my engineering background pushed me into tech and just like any other 21 year old, uh, my motivation to pursue tech was, uh, you know, the pursuit of money, right? And then pretty soon I realized, once I got into a comfort zone, I realized that, uh, yeah, there's more money to be had. There's, there's a lot of things that we can do, but it's just dissatisfying and it's just, uh, it just seemed like a waste of my time. So I got back in track. I think, you know, I, I was outside India for, five or six months in 2019 before COVID, I traveled uh, probably to eight different countries. And that's when I realized, you know, what am I actually doing? You know, I don't want to do this, uh, you know, B2B sales about some technology, uh, automating some guy's room service. Uh, that's not what motivates me, right? What motivates me is creating legacy, creating legacy like Walt Disney or someone else, because the stories that they left 
gave motivation, gave hope, and instilled emotions in so many generations and across time. That's very inspiring. So uh, I, I'm not sure if you're a big Rocky fan, but I was a Rocky fan uh, right from my childhood, right? And you know, watching Silver Stallone tell that story about an underdog uh, who's fighting, who's making utmost use of his opportunity, and then. That movie has motivated me in 2010, uh, which is almost four decades after the movie was first released. So the impact, the influence, and the power does that storytelling has across generation, across geographies, uh, across age groups. Um, that is very fascinating, and it is it it feels a little bit of um, you know that that's the that's the only taste of immortality that we as humans can take, I guess. Um, you know, stories that will live on after you. Uh, so that was my entire motivation in getting into storytelling again. Uh, you know, and, and then when I saw the opportunity of, um, you know, combining technology with storytelling, I thought it's a perfect combination for someone like me. And it just made natural sense for me to uh, take it up. I love it. I love it. I think... A, you framed that so beautifully. Um, and B, I completely empathize as someone who's gone on a similar similar pathway to the power of stories. Um, so if some people want to find you online, where can they follow what you're working on? Where can they follow StoryQ? Where can they find these stories? Yeah, so they can log on to um, www.storycube.com. Again, StoryCube spelling is story, Q-U-B-E. Of course, because we couldn't find the domain with C-U-B, it was too expensive. <laughs> uh, they can download our app there. I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Vishnu Saran. I, I think if you just search Vishnu Saran StoryCube on Google, you would find my profile. Um, anybody can shoot me an email as well, vishnu at storycube.com. Uh, and I'll be happy to interact with uh, many interesting people, uh, whoever is interested in interactive storytelling, who's interested in our story, uh, who wants to contribute or, um, you know, take be part of our team. Uh, or, or if there's any writer who has a story in his mind and he wants to make it interactive, uh, we are open to all sorts of people. Amazing. Well, I'll put all of those links in the show notes. And Vishnu, thank you so much for joining me on the Mountain Pass. This has been an amazing dive into voice. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks, Yosh. And all the best for Al Audio.